that you've given, grab your Bibles, turn with me to Acts chapter 2, verse 1. Acts chapter 2, verse 1. If you're watching at home right now, thank you for being a part of our service I pray that you have felt the presence of God as we have here today, that you've enjoyed uh, these kids as they worshiped God. I just love to see them worship. I was telling the first service that in the book of Matthew, Jesus came back into the temple riding on uh, the colt, the donkey, and uh, he comes back into Jerusalem. Then he goes to the temple, and he runs out all the money changers and all these things, and you know, the, the scribes and the Pharisees, they're okay with that. But suddenly, he begins to heal people, and the children start singing again. And when this happens, the, the Bible says that they were indignant. They were furious. They couldn't take it. And Jesus said, don't you remember uh, that the Bible says, or the Scripture says, out of the mouth of babes was praise perfected. <clears throat> and we miss this little part because what, what we don't understand is that the children hadn't been singing in the temple for hundreds of years. The children had stopped singing. They had stopped worshiping. Uh, and so when Jesus comes back, he comes with a fresh anointing. And, he, and, he, and not only, as we know, does he tear the veil, but in the process of that, he, he leaves the church in such a state where there's a purity and, and a worship that is coming forth, that it sta- starts out of the mouth of babes. And, and these children were singing praises. And, and uh, when it, he's relating it back, and what, they know then that he is the Christ because uh, in a sequence of events that's happening, it glorifies Jesus. And that's why they're so indignant, because now that the kids are singing, it says that Jesus is clearly the Christ, the Messiah, and they can't take it. And so when our kids sing, it's glorifying God. It's glorifying Jesus. It makes him smile. And uh, I love it, and he loves it. And uh, so it's a very important time. I hope you enjoyed uh, that at home. Uh, Grab your Bibles. Get ready to receive the Word of God today. If you want to give, we certainly encourage you to do so. There should be a place there on your screen. If you have questions or uh, things you'd like to ask about the sermon today, you can log in and uh, you can be a part of what's happening and, and ask your questions there. There should be someone online to help you with that. Acts chapter 2, verse 1, if you're there, say amen. amen. When the day of Pentecost had fully come, they were all with one accord in one place, and suddenly there came a sound from heaven as of a rushing mighty wind, and it filled the whole house where they were sitting. Then there appeared to them divided tongues as of fire, and one sat upon each of them. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. And there were dwelling in Jerusalem Jews, devout men from every nation under heaven. And when this sound occurred, the multitude came together and were confused because everyone heard them speak in his own language. Place your hand on your word today and let's pray. Father, I thank you for your presence that we felt here today. I'm asking you, Lord to open our hearts, our minds, and our spirits to hear from you and to be challenged by the power of your word. Speak clearly, Father. I pray that you would enlighten us, that you would shine a light into your word, into our lives, that we could understand more clearly what you have for us. Speak today, O God. Allow my words not to be mere words of man's wisdom, but lace them with the power of the Holy Spirit and the demonstration of your Son, Jesus. 
I thank you for it right now. In your name we pray. Amen. We're picking up today on part four of our series entitled The Forgotten God. The Forgotten God. We talk a lot about Jesus the Christ. We talk about a lot about God the Father, the Creator. But uh, across the face of Christianity today, we have forgotten about the Holy Spirit, the work and the person of the Holy Spirit. In our efforts to know Christ, we can't forget that it was Jesus himself that said, it is to your advantage that I go away so that the helper, the Holy Spirit, may come. As I've studied and talked with so many of you throughout this series, I'm ever more convinced that we need the Holy Spirit in our lives and at work in the church. Uh, We've already seen so many people baptized in the Holy Spirit, and I believe that God wants to do more today. I want to talk to you on a very controversial subject, a subject that that many Christians say, you know what, I just don't understand that, so I'm not going to go there. I want to talk to you, notice right here in uh, verse 4, he said, and they began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. I want to talk to you today on the subject understanding tongues or speaking in tongues. What in the world is the Bible talking about and all these spirit-filled believers talking about when they say speaking in tongues? Many people don't know and don't understand and because of that we're fearful of, of the unknown. One of the biggest fears in humans is the fear of the unknown. So we say no I'm going to stop right there because I don't understand that and I don't know. So my goal today is to shine some light on this subject and answer some questions and to try to walk you through and give you some understanding. And if the Holy Spirit would lead you, that you too might be baptized with the Holy Spirit uh, with the evidence of speaking in tongues. Let's bring some clarity, some understanding today. Three main points. The first thing I want you to know about speaking in tongues is this. It is a language. It is a language. Very simply, it is a language. In verse 4, he says, Begin to speak with other tongues. The Greek word for tongues there is the word glossa. Now, this is the the Greek word from which we derive our word glossary. How many of you know what a glossary is? You look in the back of a book, it's got a a, a short list of definitions of terms that that were used in that book. You might remember that from school or or college or something like that. It's got a glossary in it. So this is where we get our word from, the word glossa. Here's what it literally means. A language used by a particular people distinct from that of other nations. So the reason we derive our term glossary from here is because a glossary in the back gives you a list of definitions that the author is working from, a distinct definitions that he's working from in his book. Are you with me? So the question then is, is this language used by a particular people? Yes, it's used by Christians. The next question is, is it distinct? And the answer is yes, because only those filled with the baptism of the Holy Spirit speak it. But notice what he says here, something else unique. Everyone, in verse 6, heard them speak in his own language. Now this word, uh, the translators use different terms here, because in the Greek they were different terms. This is the word, uh, dialectos. Sounds like the word dialect, 
You know more Greek than you think. This is where we get the word dialect from, uh, meaning the language that they speak in the area of the world that they're from. So here's what he said. He said, everyone, the, the amazing thing about this miracle is, is they were filled with the baptism of the Holy Spirit. They spoke in tongues. But what is unique is that people from all over, from every nation under the sun, the writer says, uh, heard him speak in their own dialect. So when they were speaking in tongues, what they actually heard was these, these men and women of God who had just been baptized with the Holy Spirit glorifying God in their own language. But note... Peter didn't preach his message in tongues. Peter preached his message in a language that they could all understand, that they all spoke. So so Peter preaches in a a language that humans understand. So let me give you really quickly three quick myths about speaking in tongues. Three quick myths. Here they are. Number one, it is a myth to think that you speak fluently the first day. For some people it happens, but that's a rarity. Why? Because it is a language. Let me ask you this. How many of you spoke fluent English the first day you started trying? We didn't, did we? No. Our, uh, my kids, are, they, you know, when they were learning to speak English, just like yours, when they were learning to talk, they often got words wrong. My, my daughter... She would come in there way too early. She, got, she used to get up way early in the morning. She'd come waking me up. And, and she would come in and she'd run in there and, and, and she would say, Daddy, 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 I laked up. She couldn't say her W. So she'd say, I laked up. And it's way too early. So I said, I don't care if you laked up. I didn't lake up. Go back to bed. <laughs> My son, uh, and he still does this today, he says, uh, he says I, I love the Red Ranger or whoever it might be, they're my favorite. There's an extra R in there, favorite, and that means it's really good. It's not just your favorite. I mean, it's really your, your favorite. Uh, when Kennedy was a little girl, um, when she was in the nursery, her and her cousin Cole, Cole couldn't say her name. So many of you know that we call her Kiki, and most people call her Kiki, and that's because Cole couldn't say her name, so he just said, I give up on this, and he just started calling her Kiki. And so now everybody calls her Kiki because kids were trying to speak a language that they couldn't fully speak. They weren't fluent yet, right? We're walking through this again with my little niece, Karen Ryan's little girl, Quinn, and she loves me very much. You should know that. She thinks I am great. She just wants to be with me all the time, and she wants to play with me. She just loves me so very much. Uh, I am her favorite, right, Peyton? And so, but saying Uncle Randon at, at 10 months old is a little bit complicated. So don't be confused. She's really saying Uncle Randon, but it comes out Mama. Don't be confused. She's really trying to say, I love my Uncle Randon. That's what she's really trying to say. But you know, the beautiful thing about it is, do you get upset with your kids when they get the words wrong? No. We smile and we call our friends and we say, you won't believe what my daughter just said. You won't believe what my son just said. You won't believe what my niece or my grandchild just said. Why? We love it because they're trying. 
if we're that way, how much more do you think God, when we're trying to learn this new language, is looking down and saying, you're doing great. Stay with it. Oh, I know you sound a little awkward and, 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 and there's a lot of stuff going on that you don't understand, but just stay with it because you're going to become fluent in it. Just stay there and keep trying. Doesn't that sound like God? The second myth is that you can't control it. People say, I don't want that Pastor Randy because I can't control it. It's going to, it's going to take over me and I'm going to be walking down the mall one day and it's going to hit me and I'm going to start speaking in tongues and people are going to be thinking I'm crazy and I'm going to be thinking I'm crazy and there's just going to be crazy going on everywhere and I'm going to be doing all kind of stuff that is just not me. You're going to be sitting in H-E-B line one day checking out and all of a sudden you're going to snatch the little mic up from the lady and you're not going to say, we need a price check on aisle three. You're going to be speaking in tongues and the whole place so you just, no, I can't do it, Pastor Randon, so back up off of me. No, here's the truth. I'm going to read you in a few minutes from the book of uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 14 where Paul says, if I speak in tongues, because you have the full capability of controlling it. You do. You have full capability of controlling it. It's your mouth, it's your tongue, it's your vocal cords, it's your language. You can speak it when you want it. Speak it and how you want to speak it, just like you can choose. And I know some of you think you can't decide when you're going to speak or not, and it just comes out. There are people that have filters in their brain, and there are people that their filter disappeared a few years ago, and it just comes out. But it doesn't have to work that way. You can control it. Turn to your neighbor and say, you can control it. The third myth is that it will just jump out of you one day. This happens, but it's a rarity. Uh, Typically, it doesn't just one day, uh, you just suddenly are are, are speaking in tongues fluently, and it just, you didn't even try, it just happened. You have to ask for it, and you have to begin to speak. You have to utilize your own mouth, your own vocal cords. You have to begin to speak. It is a language. It takes time to perfect. Some pick it up quicker than others. And that's okay. God doesn't expect perfection. He expects faith and obedience. That's it. Number two. Second thing I want you to know. First one is, it is a language. Second one is, it is a language of the Spirit. A language is defined as a method of communication. So my first question is, who is communicating? To answer that, let's go to 1 Corinthians chapter 14, picking up in verse 2. 1 Corinthians 14, verse 2. For he who speaks in a tongue does not speak to men but to God. Let's stop right there. The two parties involved in this language are you and God. Not you and your neighbor. They don't understand what I'm saying. It's not for them. It's for you and God. It's for God and you. So, so here it is, right here. For he who speaks in a tongue does not speak to men. God gave us languages for that. He gave us English and Greek and, and Latin and Spanish and French and German and Russian and on down the list. He gave us ways that we can speak with one another. This is his language for us to speak with him. For no one understands him, however, in the spirit he speaks mysteries. But he who prophesies speaks edification and exhortation and comfort to men. He who speaks in a tongue edifies himself, but he who prophesies edifies the church. 
I wish you all spoke with tongues, but even more that you prophesy. For he who prophesies is greater than he who speaks with tongues, unless indeed he interprets that the church may receive edification. But now, brethren, if I come to you speaking with tongues, what shall I profit you unless I speak to you either by revelation, by knowledge, by prophesying, or by teaching? So this language of the Spirit, it's a language where we are communicating with God. There are two pieces of it that you need to know. There's a little distinction. There's tongues, and then there's the gift of tongues. And the distinction, the difference, is in the direction of the communication. The gift of tongues, we talked about a couple of weeks ago from 1 Corinthians chapter 12, where Paul wrote, by, by the same Spirit, he gives some uh, the gift of tongues, the gift of faith, the gift of interpretation of tongues, the gift of wisdom, the, the gift of knowledge, words of knowledge, and the gift of healings, the gift of working of miracles. How many of you were talking about that a couple of weeks ago? Nod your head at me. Okay, go back and get the CD. We talked about the gifts of the Spirit and how the power is manifested in our life is through these gifts. One of them was the gift of tongues. And this is God speaking to man through tongues. But the problem is we don't understand it. So it requires a companion gift called the gift of interpretation of tongues where God then speaks to another person and they interpret what God is saying to the congregation so that we're all edified. So... The gift of tongues is God speaking down to man. But tongues is man and my spirit speaking to God. Are you with me? Let's go to verse 14 now. Same chapter. For if I pray in a tongue, my spirit prays, but my understanding is unfruitful. Here's those words I talked to you about just a moment ago. For if I pray in a tongue. You have the choice, you have the decision, you can choose whether to pray in tongues or not. Watch this. For if I pray in a tongue, my spirit prays, but my understanding is unfruitful. I don't even know what I'm praying, but my spirit knows. Romans chapter 8, verse 26. Likewise, the spirit also helps us in our weaknesses. For we do not know what we should pray as we ought, but the spirit himself makes intercession for us. It's been called the perfect prayer. Why? Because the Spirit inside of us knows what needs to be prayed, but we don't know how to pray or what to pray, so he prayed, the Holy Spirit prays through us, and now we're praying. He's making intercession for us even when we don't understand. I know we're going real basic. We're doing a lot of teaching today, but stay with me. Uh, when you don't know what to pray, your spirit does. So Paul says in verse 15, what is the conclusion then? What's the conclusion then? I will pray with the Spirit, and I will also pray with the understanding. I will sing with the Spirit, and I will also sing with the understanding. So the question that Paul is answering here is, what do we do? Do we pray in the Spirit? Is tongues a good thing or a bad thing? Or, or do we only pray in understanding and sing in understanding? And Paul says, what is the conclusion? The conclusion is both. It's not an either-or question. It's a both. There is an A in, in the Spirit, a B with understanding, or there is a C, all of the above. And that's his answer. So Paul said, for me, when it's time to pray with understanding, I pray with understanding. When it's time to pray in the Spirit, I pray in the Spirit. When it's time to sing with understanding, I sing with understanding. When it's time to sing in the Spirit, I sing in the Spirit. And there is a purpose and a unique timing, uh, a unique uh, function of both. So Paul says we don't have to kick one out. We utilize them both. 
Verse 18. I think, listen to his language here, because, because so often uh, we, we read chapter 14 and we think that Paul is getting down on speaking in tongues in, in, this, in this heavenly language, and he's not. Because watch what he says. I thank my God I speak with tongues more than you all. Yet in the church, I would rather speak five words with my understanding that I might teach others also than 10,000 words in a tongue. Paul said, I thank God I speak with tongues. I thank God I have this language. I thank God my spirit prays through me. I thank God that I can sing in the spirit and that something inside of me is praying the perfect prayer. But, so when I go to church, it's not the time. Because in the Corinthian church in this moment, the Corinthians were seeking spiritual gifts so much that, number one, they had forgotten about love. That's why in, the, uh, in chapter 13, the love chapter, yeah, where you've heard it read, it's so many weddings, and love is this, love is patient, love is kind, love suffers long, all those things. And, and, and he says all these things about love. Paul is saying, listen, don't pursue spiritual gifts while forsaking love. Seek love, but desire spiritual gifts. But then he says, listen, guys, you are all wanting to have all these spiritual gifts, the ones he talked about in chapter 12. And you want to see miracles, but you all want to see them in your own life. You don't care if they're for anybody else. You don't care about the lost. You don't care about the, un- the unsaved or the uninformed, those that don't know. You only care about yourself. So you're just, you're just wanting to build yourself up. And Paul says, listen, I want you to build yourself up, but I want you to understand what the purpose of church is. Church is not just for you, even though you're touched through it. Church is about the edification of all. So, he says, when you come, don't just come and everybody start speaking in tongues and, and, and doing your own thing because you're not edifying the body. You are only edifying yourself. So, when you're at home, when you're praying, when you're communicating with God between you and Him, then speak in tongues. But don't just stand up in front of the world all the time. Because here's what he says in verse 23. I'm going to read these words to you. I'm not going to make them up. If the whole church comes together in one place and all speak with tongues, and there come in those who are uninformed, okay, they may love Jesus, but they don't know what's going on. In Acts chapter 19, Paul went and talked to these kind of people uh, in 17, 18, and 19, and he went and preached to them, and he said, did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? They said, we didn't even know there was a Holy Spirit. So they were uninformed. Not evil, not that they don't love God, they're just uninformed. They were up there doing their missionary work. They just uninformed, didn't know. Or they were unbelievers. Not about not knowing, they just don't even believe in Jesus. So now they come in, here's your chance to share the message of Christ with them, to share the message of the kingdom of God. And here's what he says. Will they not say that you are out of your mind? I didn't make those words up. It's right there. Will they not say of you, you're out of your mind? Are you crazy? Of course they will because they don't know and they don't understand. So Paul says, listen guys, when we come to church, let's remember what we're all about. We're all about people coming in and receiving Jesus, about edifying the body and building each other up and, and, and going together into the presence of God so that all are touched and healed and changed by the power of God. Not just, not just leaving some people out saying, are you out of your mind? That's not what we want. That's not what Paul wants. Paul talked about order in our church services, in our meetings. Order. 
So then, what are the basic functions for us? Number one, as a sign or as evidence. Acts chapter 2, they were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. They literally saw it and heard it. It was a sign that they had been filled with the baptism of the Holy Spirit. You can trace it all the way back into the Old Testament where it was prophesied that this is how you would know. In Acts chapter 10, verse 44, while Peter was still speaking these words, the Holy Spirit fell upon those who heard the word. So the Holy Spirit falls. And those of the circumcision... Who believed were astonished. Why were they astonished? They were astonished because the gift of the Holy Spirit had been poured out on the Gentiles also. Okay, so they're standing there and they didn't think it was going to happen, but it did. So then the question is, how did they know it did? Watch this. For they heard them speak with tongues and magnify God. The way that they knew, the evidence that they knew that these people had been baptized in the Holy Spirit was that they spoke with tongues. So, the first basic function in the church or in the life of the believer is as a sign or as evidence. Number two, uh, it is a supernatural way that God communicates. God speaking to man and man speaking to God. We talked about this a moment ago, the gift of tongues versus tongues and the direction of the communication is a supernatural way of communicating with God. And thirdly, it is a powerful tool in prayer and praise. In Jude, there's only one chapter in Jude, so in Jude, the 20th verse, watch what he says. But you, beloved... Building yourselves up on your most holy faith. How do you do that? By praying in the Holy Spirit. So when we pray in the Spirit, it's building ourselves up, strengthening in ourselves. Well, let's go a step further. Back to 1 Corinthians 14, verse 4. He who speaks in a tongue edifies himself. The word edify there, in in the Greek, it literally means to build a house, to build upon a foundation, to restore, to establish, to promote growth, or to grow in wisdom. So here's what Paul is saying. When you speak in a tongue, when you pray in the Spirit, here's what's happening. You are building up your house. You are building upon the foundation of what God has already done in your life. You are restoring things in your life. Things that the world has tried to come and break down and to tear apart. Things that have worn away. Things with cracks and holes in them and paint that's peeling off the walls. you restoring that. Think about restoring a home. That's what's happening as you pray in the Spirit. It's, it's promoting growth. It's establishing you and it's causing you to grow in wisdom. How? I don't even understand. It's, it's not the point. The point is your spirit is praying the perfect prayer for you. And God then is responding to that and doing for you exactly what you need done in your life. Even though you don't know what's being said. I, I need to be edified and so do you. There are times in our life when we need to be built back up. When, when we need to be restored, when we need to build upon the foundation, when we need to promote growth in our life. One of the ways we do that is by praying in the Spirit. Edifying is not a bad thing. Paul isn't being sarcastic here. It is a great thing when it's used properly. Third point I want to make today is that it is for all. Paul said, I wish you all 
spoke with tongues. I wish you all did. Because Paul wanted every Christian to know this very same blessing. So I want you to all to understand. I want you to all speak in tongues because you need it. You need it to edify yourself. You need it to build up your most holy faith. You, you, you need this. Acts chapter 2, and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Spirit for the promise is to you and to your children, to all who are far, afar off. It is for all and it is for you. Ephesians chapter 6. In this, these verses, you see where Paul is talking to us about the armor of God, putting on the whole armor of God, the breastplate of righteousness, the helmet of salvation, the shield of faith, right? How many of you remember as a kid studying all of those things? Watch what he says here in verse 17, something very interesting. And take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. Praying always... With all prayer and supplication in the Spirit. Now wait a second now. Apparently, Paul is teaching us that a part of the armor of God is praying in the Spirit. So then my next question is, are there any battles that you're losing in your life? Because you don't have on the whole armor. could be winning, but you're missing a piece of your armor. Proverbs 18, verse 21, death and life are in the power of the tongue, and those who love it will eat its fruit. Whatever you speak out of your mouth, you will eat its fruit, whether life or whether death, you will eat its fruit. So my question is, what if I submit my tongue to the power of the Holy Spirit? Uh, if he knows what is best for me, if he is my helper, my guide, my comforter, the spirit of truth, if I have to eat the fruit of what my tongue creates, why wouldn't I want to submit that to the work of the Spirit? Holy Spirit, do you want what's best for me? Yes. Then speak through me and I will eat the fruit of what's coming out of me. Sorry. So the question often is, Pastor Randon, how do you speak in tongues? Well, first off, as you're baptized in the Holy Spirit, then it becomes just like speaking in English. Same deal, just like speaking in English. When you speak in English, whether you know it or not, a word comes into your mind and your mouth speaks it. A word or a sound occurs in your brain and your mouth vocalizes it. So when you, to speak in tongues, the same process takes place. Because remember, it's a language given by God, given by the Holy Spirit. So it is a language. So he is, a sound occurs in our brain and we vocalize it. Does there have to be understanding? No. Do you understand every word that you use in the English language? No. We put together context clues and, and we have the sources and dictionaries and all types of other things to help us understand the language we're using, but we still use the words. So we don't wait on understanding. We pray what, is, what we hear, then we speak it and we say it and God works through us. Remember, you don't have to worry if, any, if you or anyone around you doesn't understand it because God does and he likes it. It doesn't sound right. That's okay. He likes it. It doesn't sound like me. That's okay. He likes it. You're not perfect at it. That's okay. He likes it. He loves it. He's cheering you on. Say, Mama.
Do you always feel something first? No, not always. It's kind of like tithing. I, I didn't get a breakthrough and then I started tithing. I started tithing and then I got a breakthrough. And it tends to function the same way. But you know, it can be a scary moment when you step out for the first time. It seems like the whole world is watching. There's pressure on you. You have to do it right. Uh, the, there's, everybody's there. They're, they're praying for you. They're laying hands on you and, you. and you're trying to step out, but it's a little scary. But you know what I find? Many of the great things in my life, the greatest things in my life, were a little scary the first time I tried them. First time I went on a roller coaster. A little scary. Didn't do that again. For me, first time I step on a ball field, first time I step on a baseball diamond, a little, little scary. Worth it. Even today, play softball most every week of my life. First time I step out on the field or step into the batter's box, a little scary. But then I swing and it's all good. My wedding day, not going to lie. A little scary. You know, everybody's got to ask their groom, are you sure? Like, of course we're not sure, man. What do we say? Oh, yeah, I'm sure. Inside, you're going, heart's beating like crazy, can't breathe. A little scary. Well worth it. We had Kennedy. I was way too young, clueless. They handed me the baby. I'm holding her out here like this. Everybody's crying. My mom. A little scary. But if you've had kids, it was worth it. So many of the great things in our life, the first time you try them, they're a little scary. But you know what you got to do? You just got to have the courage to try. So we get in line for the roller coaster. And they lock that little thing on us. And we start shaking our head no. They don't listen. They take off. So the coach says, Randon, you're up. You're leading off today. And you grab your bat and you act like you're okay. And you run out there. And you swing at the first pitch. You miss it bad and it's okay. Because you hit the next one. You have the courage to stand there in front of God and everybody and look at the most beautiful girl in the world and say, I do. It's worth it, but it just takes a little courage.